afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, the answer to finding peace in times of turmoil is not to turn off the TV and live in ignorance masking as bliss. The answer is not to affirm that what is happening out there is just an illusion, so we don't need to bother with trying to do anything about it. The answer is to step into the truth, to step into the truth of our nature, which we will spend some time talking about what that means. To step into the truth of the power and the presence of the divine, and we'll talk also about what that means. To learn to trust the process of divinization that is always a part of our unfolding evolution. So you want to stay here today. This is an important message on how we can find peace in times of turmoil. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about what what this whole thing of stepping into the truth might mean. Well, first and foremost, what we need to look at is our responsibility What is our responsibility to the collective? What is each individual's responsibility to the collective? Well, first, I want to say it is not to fix the collective. It is not to carry the collective as if we are burdened by it and 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 it controls our moods and it, um, you know, we we feel that we are individually solely responsible for making it be okay. That is not what I mean by responsibility. And I do see, particularly in these times of turmoil right now, that there are a lot of people who, particularly empathic people, who tend to carry the whole nation around in their pockets all the time, always fiddling with it to try to see if they can find some way to fix it, feeling like they should fix it, and feeling like somehow they have to make it different. They have to individually make it different. Um. So first, let me say that the only thing we can do is our part. We can't do everybody else's part. We can't fix it, It, uh, but we can do our part. And so when we live in the idea that it's all out there is just an illusion, we tend to not do our part. We tend to just back away from the whole thing and say, oh, well, it's just an illusion, and I don't really need to be involved, therefore. And that's, that's sticking our head in the sand. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a minute, uh, and we'll talk some more about responsibility as well. Illusion. What do I mean by it's just an illusion? Well, there are people out there who will tell us that that all of life is just an illusion and that, uh, therefore, our involvement with it is not really necessary because it, it, it's just going to do what it does, and we need to be involved only in um, exercising our own... Um, bliss we need to stay in a state of bliss and when we do that we're doing all that we can do for the planet because by doing by living in our own bliss we energetically offer that to the world and i don't disagree with that i don't say that there's not an energetic pull to being able to live in our own you know uh awareness of who we are as divine beings and we're going to talk some about that what that means the power of the presence of the divine what that means to live into that um, I think that's really important. But to say that also means that we don't have to do anything. In fact, we should not do anything because we're 
when we get involved, we're going to get angry, and anger is a bad, toxic feeling, and we should never have it. And so, therefore, we don't need to get involved. We just need to stay in a state of bliss. I, I disagree with that teaching um, because I think that all of our feelings are there to give us information. As I've said lots of times, and I just said again in my recent book, Letting Go of Good, I, I believe that our that our emotions are uh, an internal messaging system meant to help us understand ourselves better, meant to help us resolve unresolved issues, and meant to help us know how to respond to the world, all three. So um, so when we say that uh, it's just an illusion, I've got air quotes here, just an illusion, what we're saying is I don't really need to get involved. And we all have heard about situations in um, places, big cities typically, where where someone is uh, being harmed by another person, either raped or assaulted by another person, and people stand around and watch. And, and then when the police come and want to talk to them about it, they say, I didn't want to get involved and I don't want to get involved. Um, so they don't want to give any information. They don't want to be a witness. They don't want to, you know, do anything. Um, so, and we all, typically, that makes us mad. Typically, if we care about that person that was assaulted or raped, we get mad at the people who stood around and did nothing. Uh, So, you know, the idea that um, it's just an illusion, therefore we need not bother doing anything about it. We don't need to get involved because we'll just have some toxic feelings if we do, and those toxic feelings are not good energy, and we will be sending those out to the world, and therefore we will be uh, adding more harm to the world as it is. That idea says that our feelings are not use, useful to us at all. We don't, we don't have them for a purpose. And I believe that our creator, however you want to define that in your own terms, I believe that our creator created us with emotions for a reason. They weren't just empty, vacuous things that were meant to be tossed out. They aren't just functions of the ego. They are also functions of the authentic self. Let me say that again. Our emotions are not just functions of the ego. They are also functions of the authentic self. And we can have authentic, genuine emotional responses to situations and to life events and to our own inner uh, machinations. We can have all kinds of emotional responses. And those emotional responses are the authentic self. Very commonly, the authentic self talking to us. And even if it is... Uh, not the authentic self, but an identity that's talking to us and presenting us with emotions, knowing that, being able to look at that helps us resolve unresolved issues. So ignoring them and pretending they're not there um, only harms us. It, it only stacks the, auth- the uh, unconscious up with a lot of material that's just sitting in there energetically waiting for some way to express itself. That's not good for the physical body. That's not good for the mind. That's not good for the collective. So we're not helping when we just shove all of our emotions into the unconscious and pretend it all away and say to ourselves, well, I'm only going to live in bliss. So I, I, I don't think that helps the collective. So back to responsibility. It is my responsibility as a member of the collective to be a member of the collective. It is my responsibility to give my authenticity to that collective. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to, you know, if I'm an introvert, that I have to be always extroverted and out there give, give, giving to everybody in the world. That's not what I mean by that. And I want to be clear. 
I'm talking about authenticity, not shoulds, not have tos, not all tos, not some standard, not some mission, not some idea or ideal about how we're supposed to be giving everything to the world. What I'm talking about is authenticity. So when you have a true compassionate desire to give, then give. Do it. Do it. And if you have an anger at a situation like, for example, the just yesterday, our president announced that he was going to rescind DACA. And a lot of people are angry about that. And a lot of people are using their anger to give voice to an, another possibility that we could write a bill that maintains DACA and even expands it. Um, and so, you know, that means that what's happening is that anger is expressing in its way of saying, no, we need to show compassion toward these young people who have spent their lives in America and have done no wrong and have been productive citizens and, uh, and, and have never lived in the, their parents' family of, or- I mean, country of origin. Those people shouldn't be deported. That feels uh, like a lack of care. It feels harmful. It feels like it would destroy these people. And so people are speaking up and they're letting their anger have a voice. And that is a part of our responsibility to the greater collective, to be able to say, I'm going to give my anger a voice. Now, I want to be clear. That's not the same as giving hate a voice. My anger, in that sense that I talked about just a minute ago with regard to DACA, is a a voice of compassion. It's a voice of compassion, and it should be heard. Whereas the anger, that the, the hate that is masking as anger, is is literally bias. It's it, it is a form of saying some people are unworthy and others are are worthy. And in in our case that we've seen in Charlottesville and uh, with the Nazi movement, the neo-Nazi movement, and sometimes in the Confederate movement, we see a lot of hate. That, that that says white people are worthy and everybody else is unworthy. And and uh, that, that idea is uh, one that causes anger on the other side from compassion, where that compassion says, wait a minute, everybody's equal. Everybody's here and everybody's got a voice and everybody has a way of being that's distinct to that individual and what's wrong with that? So that that, that voice needs to be heard. And so we don't want to say, oh, I should never have any anger because it might be toxic and um, it might therefore be an energetic uh, um, harm to the world. Actually, if we give it a voice, if we hear, sit with it first, listen to its message, and then give that message a voice, then it offers much to the world. Much of what has been done in the world has been done from that kind of anger that says, no, this is wrong. This is um, maltreatment. This is not uh, a voice of compassion. This is a voice of harm and and, and hate and um, violence toward others. So we want to put a stop to that. We want to we want to bring about our vision to the world of the world of the world being finally able to have peace. We want to make that happen, and we can make that happen. But we can't make it happen if we pull out and say, "Oh, life is just an illusion." And I'm going to be a spiritually good person by not getting involved in anything that's happening out there in the world because it's out there and I need to stay in here in my spiritual place. 
um, that's not helpful. And I think that's spirit, what uh, Robert Masters would call spiritual bypassing. It's a way of using spirituality uh, to duck out of our responsibility to the, to the collective and to ourselves. If I'm not using my compassion, if I'm not using the voice of that anger that comes from compassion, then I'm not, uh, then I'm repressing it. I'm pushing it away. That's not good for me, and it's certainly not good for anybody else. So, uh, so in, in order for us to really be able to um, honor the fact that we are a part of a collective, we need to participate. We need to be present with it, and that, that is our responsibility. We do have the ability to respond to the collective in that way, and if we use that ability, then we are responsive, then we are alive. We're not just pretending that, um, you know, uh, we're not really a part of that. Now, is there a place for ascetism? Yes, there are some people who's, who are, whose responsibility is taking by living in ascetism. So I don't want to say that uh, everyone should be out there in the world parading in the streets or anything like that. I don't have a, a should. I don't have a, a mission statement for you. Uh, what I have is uh, an awareness that, um, that that we are responsible, that we can be responsive because we have the ability to respond to the collective in a way that um, brings about change. Every change that has happened, um, st- just start with the civil rights movement back in the uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s, when... when uh, when things have changed, when things have begun to slowly shift, what it started with people saying, I'm going to give my compassion and my anger a voice. I'm going to say, no, enough is enough. I'm going to speak up. Why Does it, is it necessary for us to do that? Because there is a countering voice that has a lot of money and a lot of power. That countering voice says, I've got the power, I've got the money, and I can do whatever I want with it. And if that countering voice is also the voice of a white supremacist, then we need to have another voice that says, wait a minute, and that voice needs numbers. That voice needs signs. That voice needs to be heard. It needs to be uh, loud enough to be heard and have a strong enough vote to be listened to. So there's a lot been going on in our government, particularly like with the gerrymandering that's been uh, trying to deprive votes of certain races, um, uh, not allowing uh, certain people to vote, um, uh, money, big power money going, corporate money going to, um, to individuals who will support a message that makes sure that the wealthy keep being wealthy and the poor don't matter. Uh, and the middle class doesn't matter. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of that kind of message is out there, and w- and we need a countering voice. And so, if all the spiritual people decide, well, we're we're too spiritual to get involved in that, then we are absolutely spiritually bypassing our responsibility. And uh, the people who have the compassion are not using it. One of the gifts that we have as spiritual beings is is the gift of compassion. Um, one of the strongest, most important gifts that we have is the gift of compassion, which is a form of love. 
And uh, if we're just saying, oh, well, I can't use that because that means I'm not very spiritual if, I'm, if I have some love that makes me angry, um, that's, uh, I would say, uh, we're, again, we're spiritually bypassing. I highly recommend, Robert Masters has been on my show one time, a long time ago, and uh, uh, you can look him up under the get list of guests in my archives and listen to that radio show. He's talking in that show about two of his books. One of those is the book called Spiritual Bypassing. And if you haven't read his book, go read it. I highly recommend it. It's a very good offering of what he means by spiritual bypassing. And there's lots of ways we can do that. But certainly not taking our responsibility to the collective is one of those ways that we spiritually bypass by saying, no, I'm a spiritual person. I can't get involved in that. That's too messy, too unclean, too impure, too toxic, too whatever that we want to label, we want to put on it to say that we can't deal with it. So, uh, you know, all we have to do is look at Gandhi to see how we can have a quiet, yet powerful, yet amazingly uh, world-changing responsibility to the collective. He certainly took that responsibility very, very seriously. So, I, you know, I really want to just reiterate that again and again, that we have a responsibility to the collective, and anyone who tells you that, it's, that you're a spiritual being, therefore you should not be involved, is not telling you the truth. They're teaching you to spiritually bypass. Um, but so stepping into the truth of our nature first means that we're responsible, that we have a responsibility to the collective, and that we uh, we that part of our authenticity is actually honoring that responsibility. We have that ability to respond to our own inner, you know, emotions. If compassion comes up, then I have the ability to respond to that compassion by giving it a voice, giving it legs, giving it hands, giving it something. And we're seeing a lot of that right now after Harvey. We may see more of that as it's coming up with Irma, uh, 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 maybe hit, uh, going to hit the uh, east coast of Florida. We, we, we see that these disasters are happening, and, and they're tragic, and they uh, are telling us something about what the earth is telling us with regard to climate change just like our bodies will tell us when we mistreat them the earth is talking to us and it's saying you've been mistreating me and this is what happens you get sick when when you mistreat me and so now we've got some disasters as a result and people all over the united states and all over the world are responding with a great deal of compassion we can do that in a disaster we also need to do that when the when when people are mistreated in front of our face uh, and parts of the collective are mistreated in part in front of our face. So, all right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, that. Uh, what does that mean to step into tr- the truth of our nature and to step into the power and the presence of the divine, to learn to trust the process of divinization right after the break? We'll be back right after these messages. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. 
Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save $20 today with coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how we can find peace in times of turmoil. But before we go there uh, again, let me just tell you about what's coming up on Super Soul Sunday this next Sunday, September the 10th, 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oprah sits down with Pastor A.R. Bernard, founder and senior pastor of Brooklyn's Christian Cultural Center, to discuss the turning points that led to his spiritual journey and his life calling. Pastor Bernard leads one of the largest congregations in America with 40,000 members, and his intention has remained consistent for the past 30 years, to make faith relevant. Once a Nation of Islam follower and teenage civil rights activist, Pastor Bernard left his career as a banker to pursue ministry in the late 70s. Pastor Bernard married his high school sweetheart and shares with Oprah his relationship insights based on his book, Four Things Women Want from a Man. Listen up for this clip from the show. I read that your intention as a founder of one of the largest congregations in America has remained consistent for the past 30 years, and that is to make faith relevant. How have you done that? Relevance means two things for us. Number one, it means practical. It has to be something that you can apply the moment you leave the doors of the church service. Mm-hmm. Second, it has to be socially applicable. It has, it has to help you make sense of the world around you. So I get the chance to shape the lens of people's thinking, their worldview, through the eyes of faith. And for me, all life is spiritual. Mm. What do you mean? 
Well, when we look at spirituality, we look at the makeup of the human person. And because how do you define it? How do you define spirituality? Spirituality is our human capacity to know and experience God. Mm. We experience God through worship, through prayer, through fasting, through uh, silence. Silence, absolutely. Stillness, solitude, solitude. Yeah, solitude, and solitude is not being alone. Yeah, it's being away from the noise. Yeah. and with God. Yeah, and with yourself. Wow, that sounds really interesting. I hope you'll be there for that. I plan to be. All right, so we're going to talk some more about peace in the time of turmoil. Uh, We said that we were talking about how we might step into the truth of our nature, and one facet of that is to be responsible to respond to our own abilities to give what's authentic in us to give, to be present with what's authentic in us to be present with so that we can respond appropriately. So how do we do that? How, what does that mean, the truth of our nature? Well, we're talking about our authenticity. We're not talking about an identity. We're talking about our authenticity. So an identity could mean that I feel like I have to give, give, give all the time, time, time. Um, I might be uh, a good guy identity, as I talk about in Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self. Good guy identity, I've called it the scapegoat priest identity in uh, the uh, previous book called Restoring My Soul. But the basic idea is that I'm a person who believes that I have to be giving to others all the time because if I don't, then I'm a bad person. I'm an unworthy person in some kind of way. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a compulsive need to give, give, give. I'm not talking about trying to rescue in a rescuer identity. I'm not talking about a superman or superwoman identity. I'm not talking about super healer. I'm not talking about anything that's an identity. I'm talking about your authenticity. So how will you know when it's time to give? When your compassion raises itself into your awareness with such strength that you feel an urgency to give. That's what how we'll know when it's time to give. Not when we should, but when we have that true desire to give, which comes from compassion. So we're led then by our deepest desires instead of being led around by shoulds, have-tos, and ought-tos. So stepping into the truth of our nature means that we give when our compassion calls us to give and, uh, and how our compassion calls us to give. We don't give like everybody else says we should give. We give the way our compassion says to give. Um, and so uh, you may have people saying, well, it's selfish for you not to give this way or that way. But that's their way of giving. It's not your way of giving. So again, stepping into the truth of your nature means stepping into your authenticity, not somebody else's, your own. So knowing how to give means listening to your inner self enough to know what your inner self wants to give. Um, and, and what happens when we do that, when we begin to step into the truth of our nature, is that we begin to be more and more aware of the real power and the real presence of the divine. So I don't, by the divine, I don't mean any particular religious figure. I mean what you have tapped into as the divine essence that you can understand as divine. Um, and that's a journey. That's an authentic journey to yourself, to your deepest self, so that you can begin to um, become aware of what the divine is to you because you've tapped into your deeper self where the divine lives. So the divine lives deep in within us. The divine lives as one with us. And therefore, 
we can tap, we can uh, make some kind of connection to the divine by tapping into our deepest essence. And in so doing, we'll be informed of who the divine is to us. So for me, I, I, I was not raised in a religion, but, but I was, I did develop a religion as a teenager and uh, learned a whole lot. Uh, as I tend to do, I get really um, in, absorbed in things and I learned a whole lot about um, what religion looked like, what that particular religion looked like and what I was supposed to do in response to that religion and what kind of person I was supposed to be in response to that religion and and so I, I participated in that religion for a number of years, and then I began to really go deeper inside myself and found another whole version of the divine that was more real for me and gave me greater peace and was accessible in a way that the, the divine in that other religion was not accessible to me. So... Um, that's what I mean by finding your own power and presence of the divine that you go within yourself to to make that connection to the divine. Um, and then you learn your truths about that. You learn what's true for you and you formulate your own connections. And, and perhaps you participate in rituals of a religion, um, but you can make those yours. They, they are either ones that you resonate with or are they ones that you don't have to do because you don't resonate with them. Now, what has that got to do with formulating, having your peace in the time of turmoil? I will say in my own experience and in the experience of those that I've talked to about this, there is no greater peace than living from your deepest authentic self. Um, In fact, when we have peace, uh, real genuine deep inner peace it is because we have tapped into something authentic. Uh, peace is actually a response to our uh, tapping into something authentic so that we, we, uh, we tap into something that's genuine and real and peace comes up to say, yes, 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 that's real or do that more or yes, that's, that's authentic. It gives us an answer. It responds to us by giving us peace when we've tapped into something authentic. And, it, and so in that way, it can be a guide. When we have peace, we know that we're doing something that's uh, spiritually true, authentically true for us. When we don't have peace, there's a journey for us to take back to peace. And uh, so how do we find peace in the time of turmoil? We go within. Now, that doesn't, again, I want to say, like I did in the first segment, That doesn't mean we stay in a hole somewhere, hiding away from the world. But we we respond to the world from our deepest authentic self. So we go within, and then from there we carry what we found within out into the world. And that is a a true responsiveness. That is a true way of, of being authentically and spiritually active, or as I called it last time, being a spiritual advocate. So uh, that uh, the power and the presence of the divine within us can be found through meditation. Um, that's one of the first methods I always go to when, I, when people ask how. How do you access the authentic self? Meditation is one of the best ways to do that because um, what, it, what it does is put us automatically in touch with what goes on below the surface, below the identity 
below the the trauma and drama of the world, below the worry, below the, uh, you know, what I've got to do today, the list of things to do. Uh, meditation takes us down underneath all of that and allows us to see and feel the deeper self. And, you know, one of the things I've discovered through meditation, too, well, two things. One of them is, you know, uh, and this is my own experience, but this is what I've experienced. Uh, uh, one of the things I've experienced is this low hum. There's just a low hum that seems to be almost like the earth spinning around in the in in the uh, airless air, the airless space, outer space, where um, it just it seems to be humming through space, and uh, that that is a deep awareness that I have when I meditate that I can be a part of that hum or I can pull away from that hum and, and observe it. But either way, I'm a participant in that in that sort of the sound of the universe. And that's a cosmic uh, awareness. It's not a personal awareness of my own ego and how it interacts with the world or my own identity and how I shape my life around it. It, it really is about something more, much deeper and much more uh, profound than that. Another thing that I've experienced is times, not, not every time certainly, but there have been times when I meditated when uh, I was able to, well, actually I wasn't even able to, I was sort of forced to by something deeper inside of me to be so still that it felt like I could not move. That was not a scary paralysis kind of feeling, but it just was this real deep, deep, deep peace that said, don't move. Be in absolute stillness. And it wasn't me deciding to just sit still even though my back itched and I wanted to scratch it or my nose itched and I wanted to scratch it or I felt like I needed to move my legs or any of that. It was not me deciding to be still. It was something within me deciding that for me. And I and I therefore could not move. It was a feeling of, I cannot move. Now, certainly I could have chosen to go against that, but it was so peaceful. Why would I have wanted to do that? Uh, So I didn't. And I've experienced that a couple of, you know, several times as I've meditated, but uh, certainly not every time. So uh, back to what I I said in the first segment, uh, sometimes when we're thinking that I'm supposed to always live in bliss, what we're doing with our meditation is we're chasing bliss instead of being with what is. And being with what is is what meditation really is all about. Not chasing after some feeling, not chasing after peace or bliss or joy or anything else, just being with what is. So in being with what is, what begins to arise is conscious awareness of of the things that go on inside of us. And so we begin to be more and more aware of, of, you know, unresolved material and peace and compassion and uh, various things come up into our awareness. And if we're just watching those things come up and being present with them and allowing them a voice inside of us, then we begin to automatically uh, uh, join the movement within us to become more authentic. And, uh, and that allows us into the power and the presence of the divine. And so a meditation is a very powerful tool, and I really highly recommend it. Another tool that I recommend is to pay attention to your emotions, to sit with them, to suss out the message they have to give you, 
about you, to you, for you, and about you. These messages are not coming to you from your emotions about anyone else or for anyone else or to anyone else. They're coming to you for you because they're your emotions. They're meant for your use. They're not meant for you to give give away to somebody else. So when you get angry, it's not to tell you to go tell Tom that he did something wrong and he should never do that again. No, it's, I mean, you may end up talking to Tom about how you feel, but it won't be to correct Tom or change Tom. It will be because you you uh, felt strongly that this was a way to build a boundary or, or the way to solve a problem or the way to uh, facilitate more communication or something like that. So, um, so when you have a feeling that comes up, it's a message to you, for you, and about you. And being able to sit with those feelings is another way to access the authentic self. And I talk a lot about that in Letting Go of Good. So if you want more information about that, please buy the book and read those chapters. They're, they really do explain what I'm talking about in detail. Um, and uh, another way is to pay attention to your intuition and your discernment. What's going on? What are you feeling? What, what's your gut say? And what, how, how do you, are you emotionally responding to what you observe in the external world? And those kinds of things will help us make a decision. Will they be guides for us to, to ne- take the next step into our authenticity? And um, we can become more and more aware of what, how, how we can respond to the world, to our world, by listening to our intuition, our discernment. Um, our desires are also extremely important. And, um, you know, I have said this before, that, that one of the root meanings of the word for the Hebrew word for God in the Jewish Tanakh is desire. So that's how sacred desire is that it is a part of uh, the divine. And so when we listen to our deepest, truest desires, of course we have to understand that there's a difference between desire and compulsion and or desire and ego aggrandizement or uh, desire and um, trying to compensate for something. So we, we do have to understand there is a difference between those, but and we can pay attention to those differences by listening to what's going on inside of us. But once we have discerned that this is a true desire, it's actionable. It is something that we can take action on, and uh, trust that the uh, that our that a truth will be told by our action because we're being authentic and responding to that desire. So desire is also very very important, and these are some these are the ways that we begin to access and step into the truth of our nature and of the power and the presence of the divine. And uh, so it's really important for us to understand that it is possible for us to live an authentic life where peace is very prevalent, even when the external world is in turmoil. So even though we're responding to the external world and its turmoil, we can still come from peace because we're making our decisions out of the guidance of peace. Remember when I said to you that we, we could actually have peace um, that is res- that is uh, a response to our coming into our authenticity. So I do something authentic or I think something authentic or I feel something and get in touch with something authentic and peace comes as a response to that that says, yes, this is it, you found it. And so that can be a real guide for us. So paying attention to our peace can actually get us through these times of turmoil. All right, we're going to talk about the last segment, and uh, right after the break, we're going to be talking about that process of divinization I promised to talk about. We'll be right back. 
creates your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We can all use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment and register for free. Try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews And we're back with our final segment now talking about how to find peace in the time of turmoil And uh, we've said so far that we do have a responsibility to respond to the collective and that we can do that from our authentic self by stepping into the truth of our nature, by being more authentic, by making our gifts to the world or to our worlds authentic instead of shoulds, have-tos, and ought-tos, and by, uh, by becoming more aware of the power and the presence of the divine within us which becomes a, another lead that leads us back to the world again. So uh, we have already said those things. So what we wanted to talk about now is how we learn to trust the process of divinization that's always a part of our unfolding evolution. So what do I mean by the process of divinization? What in the heck does that mean? Well, um, it's, not, it's, it's known well to uh, people of other religions, not so well known to the Christian religion, although... In the early church, it was a very common concept, and it was written about by some of the greatest, world, uh, most renowned uh, Christian leaders of, of that early church, and even some since that time have written about this process of divinization. Uh, it may not be called divinization in other religions, such as Hinduism or Buddhism, but the process is still the same. So what do I mean by that? I mean that the, the, mo- the more we get in touch with our authenticity, 
the more we engage our authenticity and make it actionable and bring it into action in our lives, the more we're evolving, the more we're transforming into what the Bhagavad Gita would call the divine self, uh, the Christian uh, early Christian church would have called it the Christ nature. Um, the Buddhisms, the Buddhism would call it the Buddha nature. Um, it is that deepest essence of who we are. Um, even Carl Jung would have said it was uh, it was the Imago Dei that it ha- that the self, the wholeness of who we are, is uh, has a divine nature to it. Um, and, of course, he was not speaking of any particular religion, nor was he a religious person. He was speaking in terms of, uh, he, he called it the birth of the divine child within us. So, uh, we definitely have a capacity to become more divine. Now, in today's uh, Western mode of thinking, that is blasphemy. That idea was outlawed by the uh Nicene Creed uh, of 325, when they developed the, the when the Council of Nicaea called together uh, several priests from around the area, I think the, I think the number was 300 priests were there, but there were many more who did not attend, and uh, it was controlled by Constantine, who was an emperor who had said he was a Christian, but uh, did some things that would be quite questionable with regard to the morality that was expected of a Christian at that time, inclusive of killing family members. So um, he, uh, he, but he wanted to unite his kingdom under one uh, rulership, one religion. And so he, he wanted there to be one religion. And so he wanted to formulate uh, uh, an agreed upon idea about what Christianity was. And so they made uh, the Nicene Creed. And one of the things they decided, one of the major things they decided at that time during the, uh, during the meetings was the nature of Christ. Who was Christ? Was he really the only begotten Son of God? Or was he uh, uh, a divine being who was living a human life? Um, and in the early church, they believed that he was a divine being who was also human, who had come to teach us all how to access our own divinity um, and that that was part of his mission. After the Council of Nicaea, that idea was considered to be heresy and what was instead put in place was the idea that Jesus was the only divine being and that no other human could ever be divine and that therefore all people could do was strive after goodness but they could never really arrive there because only only Christ can do that. Um, so, um, so we, it sort of put us in a little bit of a hopeless position of always striving to be good but never quite making it. Uh, and it's like trying to swim the ocean. You just can't ever quite make it all the way across to Europe from America by swimming because you, it's just not humanly possible. So it becomes uh, humanly impossible for us to attain to anything like divinity from that perspective. And anyone who says that we can attain to divinity from that pers- uh, 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 from that perspective is blaspheming. So I'm going to do some blasphemy today. Okay, I hope you won't mind, but I'm I'm going to say that uh, that uh, the root language uh, of the Gospels gives us much information that we have the power to uh, access our own divine nature. 
And one of those was when Jesus told his disciples that, or his, uh, his people who were listening, whoever they were, that they could do greater things than he did because he was going to die and go to the Father. And so uh, he could, that we could actually do that. And uh, another time he actually said, your scriptures say you are gods, do they not? And so uh, he, w- and there were, so, so there's several texts like that that are pretty clear and then others that are, it's more clear in the root language itself that, uh, that we have the capacity to access and live in and from a Christ nature. And that doesn't mean a Jesus nature, it means a Christ nature, which is similar to the divine self of the Bhagavad Gita, the Buddha nature of the Buddha, of Buddhism. Um, it is a way of accessing the, our truest divine nature. So what? What I believe, and you get to decide what you think about this, uh, as always, you get to decide what you think about this, but I believe we're all in that process. Every human being on this planet is in the process of becoming more and more aware of who we are as divine beings. And that that unfolding evolution is a part of the, the, the bad stuff that happens in our lives as well as the good stuff that happens in our lives. It's a part of our mistakes as well as a part of our uh, the the things that we do that we could definitely say no that was a that was not a mistake that was a smart, true, authentic decision. Um, it's a part of the duality trance state that we all live in, in which we have divided all of life up into good and bad. All of that is a part of this process that we're all in, which will ultimately end in our becoming more and more aware of who we are as divine beings. And we will experience that incarnation after incarnation. Uh, we will uh, we will live into a lifetime, and in that lifetime, we will accomplish what that lifetime was meant to accomplish. And then we'll have to build on that in the next lifetime, and build on that in the next lifetime, and build on that in the next lifetime. And eventually, we will become fully aware of who we are as divine beings. Now, that's a mix of uh, of several different religions, uh, which if you look at uh, the root language of the Gospels, it includes Christianity. So, uh, But we have to do that study to find it in there because our translators have not given us that information. So we we can look, uh, look to that information in the Western culture. We can look to sacred texts of, the, of Eastern uh, religions and find that same information in there. But basically what that says is there's a lot of hope for us that even in this time of turmoil, there is something else happening under the surface, that an evolution is still unfolding, that we are part of that evolutionary process and it is a part of us and we are in the midst of it now. And what a great honor it is for us to be a part of this scary, tumultuous time that we get to participate in this time and bring to it our truest selves. So, okay, so what could that possibly mean? Well, I've said this before on another show, but I think it's really true that our that what we're experiencing right now in America is the shadow of Americans America's collective consciousness. So that we are um, becoming aware of all the secrets we've held in our in our unconscious, all of the all of the the facts of what we've done and who we are, and the the stuff we've held in the unconscious is flooding out like a broken sewer. 
and it's and it's messy and it's ugly and it's stinky and we don't like to look at it and we don't want to see it. We want it to go away. But until we really begin to integrate it, it's not going to go away. We have to integrate what is what is the unconscious in our has been we've been unconscious of, and that is why this is such a, a, a um, tumultuous time because there's an argument going on between how we have seen ourselves as the land of the free and the home of the brave, and how we are as biased, bigoted, small-minded little people who are filled with hate. And even when we're not, even those of us who are striving not to be that way sometimes have that in our unconscious. Not all the time, but sometimes have that in our unconscious. And we don't want to know it, so we have to face it in the external world. So uh, it's up now. And because it's up, we have a greater opportunity to do something about it than ever before. We could hide it from ourselves before. We could we could pretend it wasn't there before. But when we have events like Charlottesville, um, when we have uh, that that bring that awareness into our into our experience, into our daily experience, and our hearts are flooded with compassion for the people that were hurt, and our hearts are are flooded with that compassionate kind of anger that says hate hate is harmful to all of us then we then we react we respond we 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 send letters and we you know sign petitions and we put social media uh, posts out there and we call our senators and we call our representatives and we go to town hall meetings and we march and we do all the things that are necessary to create change we can do that because we're being responsive to our own shadow material because that's what's up. What's up now is the ruler of our nation has demonstrated his own bigotry. And I say that uh, fearlessly here because I know that, you know, uh, some people say, well, don't ever say anything about uh, our president in front of, you know, out there in the open because, you know, there's people looking for people like you who will do that. Well, here I am. I'm doing that. And I'm, and I'm doing that because I care. I'm doing that out of my compassion. I'm doing that because it's authentic for me to do. And it's part of my response, my responsibility to the collective to be able to say my truth here on this station where I can empower you to go ahead and say your truth. That's what this empowerment channel is all about, being a, uh, teaching people that they can be empowered to go ahead and be in their truth and be in their authenticity. So uh, finding peace in time of turmoil is also trusting that process of divinization that's always a part of our unfolding evolution. So that means that we can trust that this time, this time of turmoil, where there's so much going on that's just like almost every day there's some new terrible thing that's happening uh, and and at the bequest of our government, we and we're having to respond quickly and accurately and authentically from our compassion about what's going on, this is a time of our unfolding evolution. Something is happening here. Something very, very important is happening here. We might just become the America we thought we were when we first started. We founded our government on all these principles of Freedom and respect for each man while we were killing Native Americans by the thousands. That is shadow material. That is unconsciousness. And so now we're having to say, well, who are we really? 
Are we really the people that killed a, 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 na- a whole nation of Native Americans by genocide? Or are we the, uh, the people who understand that every man, every woman, every child has equal rights? Who are we? And that question needs to be answered and answered with solidness so that we can be who we are in the world and give to the world what America has to give to the world. That process is a part of the divinization process that is always a part of our unfolding evolution. It's happening for us, and we're a part of it. And, and so we can trust that process. We can trust that eventually every human being is going to become a divine being. There's not going to be a big crash and burn. We're all going to become big divine beings. And that's a much better outcome, don't you think? All right. So that's our show for today. Peace in the time of turmoil. And uh, we're going to be back again next week. We have Thomas Moore coming next week. I'm excited that he's going to come and be interviewed on our show again about his latest book. So you want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.